Hello and welcome once again to episode 85 of Code Completion, a special midweek bonus episode. My name is Dimitri and I am joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. So WWDC is in a few days, so we thought we'd sneak in a predictions episode uh, literally a few days <laughs> before uh, Dub because we usually release on Tuesdays and Dub is on a Monday, so uh, perfect time to sneak one in, uh, especially since we didn't have a predictions episode yet. So before we start, though, Apple TV kind of had a pop-up thing near Dimitri, so I think he's going to share some like really cool uh, photos and some swag that he got. So let's take a look at that. Yeah. So uh, I don't know when they started doing this. I saw that they had it at... So if you're in the LA area, there's uh, the Grove, uh, and the Grove is where LA used to be in Orange Grove, and it no longer is in Orange Grove. Um, so <laughs> that's why it's named that. Um, but at the Grove, they had a bunch of pop-ups where they, like, have their flagship store. And they recently, like, moved their store across the street. It's, like, weird, weird stuff. Um, it was, uh, the first, or one of the first two-level stores in Southern California. Um, but regardless, uh, they, they set up a pop-up there. Um, and then some, like, that came and went, and I did not go because pandemic. Uh, but I went to lunch, uh, with my mom the other day. Uh, and we went not to the Grove, but to Studio City, which is not anywhere close to the Grove. Um, and I was very surprised to see that they had a pop-up there and we weren't expecting it at all. We were just like waiting for our table. So we decided to check it out. So, uh, if you are on the live stream, you get to see these wonderful pictures or I guess on the recording too. Um, actually, no, not on the recording, just on the live stream, because this will take extra effort for Spencer to splice in. So because you see our show notes screen, you get to see these pictures. Uh, so they had a nice little like, you know, you know, how about to describe this um, in like major cities? They have uh, a sign pole that shows like, oh, in 5000 miles, this direction is Paris. And in 2000 miles, that direction, it's Tokyo kind of thing. Uh, so they had one of these sign poles, but it was just like of all the Apple TV shows that were um, set up that day. So uh, that's what I'm showing here. Um, and then they had a, I think the first thing I noticed was like a Ted Lasso, uh, booth and they had, um, some like racing seats. I don't know what that has to do with Ted Lasso, but, uh, that was, the, <laughs> they were awesome. themed their colors. Um, and in the front, uh, you could go ahead and get some, uh, tea flavored ice cream and, uh, cookies and you get the wonderful believe, um, poster nice. uh that got sharpied with ted boss on the other um and it's wonderfully non-centered um i don't know if that's on purpose or not but it is it is what it is um <laughs> and as i mentioned like you can get some ice cream i don't have the ice cream anymore with me but you do get uh ted lasso's famous shortbread cookies so that's awesome yeah they they taste pretty good um, they taste like shortbread cookies. Spoiler: They're not like mind blowing or anything like that. Uh, that's reserved for um, the magic of storytelling. Um, so uh, that's that. And there's my mom taking a picture. And then uh, at another booth, there was a Severance booth, and I like the Severance booth because they had one of those old timey uh, computers that they do their. I have no clue what they're doing on them uh, stuff. Uh, and here it is. And if you look closely, that's just an iPad. Um, yep. Just a plain old iPad. Uh, and then they had a vending machine of, uh, Lumen Goods. 
uh, from Lumen Industries, and I got little pretzels. So nice. on the inside, it's oh. just it's like actually just a bag of pretzels. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. I was gonna say it's not. There's actually food in there. That's cool. Yeah, there's a nutritional uh, information servings for container one, 13 pretzels. Heck um, yeah, dude. No nutritional information on this, but it does give you the the allergens and stuff like that. So good. Yeah, that that was uh, my experience at an Apple TV pop up. Um, so you just kind of like were around in. and it was there. That's super cool. You didn't like uh, seek it out or anything, but I mean, it, it sounds like you wanted to go to the the other one closer to you. And so, would it have been the same thing? Are they just doing it kind of? All I think over it is the or... same thing. They're like touring. Oh, and cool. uh, yeah, all I had to do to get like free swag is say like, "Yes, I know what Ted Lasso is," and I watched it. Uh, that's all they like cared about. Um, and the thing that they mentioned was, uh, please like vote us for the Emmys or Globies or I right. don't know. I I live in this town, but I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, we do with in terms of like the film industry, despite working in it for so many years. So uh, there was some film industry thing that you need to go and vote for, so that way Apple gets represented in some way, I guess. Um, and that's probably what they were. Uh, kind of gunning for uh, with this. Sure. So. Sure. Very yeah. cool. But yeah, it was a fun surprise, definitely. Perks of living in California, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, specifically in the heart of the film industry. I don't think, yeah. I don't think yeah, they're doing it sure. anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, I'd assume not, but, you know, that's pretty cool. The I, I really like all the booths are super, <clears throat> you know, themed and stuff, and that. It'd be mm-hmm. fun to just kind of walk around there and just be a part of, like, I don't know, that uh, that vibe just to kind of, you know, see what's going on. Some kind of cool props and stuff like that computer and like that keyboard looks super cool. So all of that stuff's fun that they, you know, put some, you know, cool effort Thought into, into it. it. Yeah. Okay. And, and the people that were manning the booths um, were like definitely into the shows that they were representing. Um, oh, nice. And- and so it was fun, like, discussing, like, oh, what's the next season going to be? Like, oh, yes, it is being filmed. There's no date yet. Um, but, like, what was up with that ending? Like, that was a lot of fun So to discuss those kind of things. Cool. Uh, with people that clearly know what on earth you're talking about, which is not everyone since not everyone knows what on earth Apple TV Plus uh, via and the Apple TV Plus app via an Apple TV is um for like not obvious reasons not at all because they named three things after the same thing um but no. yeah uh i think it was cool that they're doing it it's cool that uh non-internet people get exposed to this because i'm sure like all the internet got exposed to severance when that finale was happening uh all the internet got exposed to ted lasso for all 17 of its seasons um there were not 17 seasons um and yeah so that was that was fun Nice. Okay, that's it. Right. Uh, yep. Main our main topic for today uh, is uh, WWDC, which is in two days. Two days, one day depends on when we get this out. Uh, but as of right now, since it's being live streamed, you know that we are doing this at the same time, uh, and that is going to be in two days. Uh, so, uh, what kind of rumors should we come to expect this year? Yeah, I mean we've, we we could kind of break it down into like 
you know, software, hardware, and like developer, uh, you know, API and stuff. So mm-hmm. I think one of the, the biggest ones that I've seen around Twitter is l- like better um, multitasking support, windowing and everything uh, on iPadOS just to make it feel more like a computer because what's a computer? Uh, you know, that'll be uh, certainly cool, iPads are not computers. Cert- no, they're iPads. Come on. How yeah. uh, computers? Come on. Um, yep. No, but I think that would be cool. Although I will say the, um, I think it's just with with iOS 15, the, um, you know, the little three button or three dots at the top, and being able to kind of tap that to pull things into side by side is pretty nice. So I'm not sure what the improvement enhancement would be. Whether you can just, um, I well, I guess the biggest thing is I'm, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. The biggest thing is, I think, window resizing, right? So you could have multiple apps open and, I guess, on top of each other is kind of the biggest thing. Am I kind of getting that right? Yeah, so that's what the rumor is anyways. Um, I have personally not used, despite being excited for it, I have not used throughout this entire year uh, the little three dots, like, beyond oh. a few weeks after <laughs> Dub Dub or a few weeks after I installed that on my main iPad. Um, so I don't know if it just means that the apps aren't there to make me want to do something more, uh, with, um, with an iPad or if it just, yeah, or if it's not the right device to go ahead and do more. Um, like I think if things were windowed and it's not like entering different modes, uh, to kind of get things all tiled perfectly, uh, that might make it more accessible just like in general. Um, like you just move something aside, open up another app and then you have both of them open. Um, I wonder like how this is going to work because the, there's like a patent that Apple has out where like you dock your iPad and it becomes more or less a Mac, uh, in terms of its UI. Um, but that means that you're using it strictly with like a trackpad and not with your fingers at all. But like it's an iPad, so you're still going to be using your fingers, even though you have that trackpad and keyboard there. Uh, so I really wonder how they're going to evolve the window to be able to like accomplish that well. Um, and I wonder if that same evolution is just going to come to macOS at the same time, um, or if macOS and iPadOS are still going to be fairly separate things, um, or perhaps like things from macOS, like AppKit might make the way, their way over to the iPad to make the iPad more powerful because then you can have all of the Mac's like greatest apps available on the iPad. Um, like I would use Sketch on the iPad despite Sketch not putting any support to running on an iPad. Like I would uh-huh. just use it as is. Um, yeah. And I think, I think if Apple, I don't think Apple's going to go that route of just like enabling it as is, but if they make it very easy for someone who is like deep in AppKit land to just click a checkbox and make it available on an iPad and then start tweaking it from there, I think there's a decent chance that apps like Sketch uh, make their way over. Um, And I think that would be pretty cool. Uh, to have on the iPad, despite it being a smaller uh, display and stuff, but it's more or less the same size display as a MacBook Air, anyways, right? Yeah, for sure. So basically, like a reverse catalyst is what you're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So something to I... make things slow, I guess. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> well, it's an interesting idea, and I think it would be cool. I think the thing with that that I just my first thought was I would personally love that. I think that would be super cool. But also, I think the amount of apps that you know can or could go from iOS to macOS are a lot more than I mean. There's just more apps in general. Uh, than going from macOS to iOS, mm-hmm. so I don't know if it, it necessarily would be like a worthy endeavor for Apple. I don't know how hard it would be. You know, well, it's all the apps that, that you like use <clears throat> daily, right? So having well, the iPhone apps on the computer, like I have used zero, like despite yeah. them being available. Um, but if I had the opposite, if I had my Mac apps on an iPad, yes, I would probably use them a ton. <laughs> and despite the fact yeah. that there are way fewer of them, right? Um, like just Xcode, uh, Sketch, um, well, yeah, like Hexfiend. Um, I'm just looking through my doc of like stuff I use daily. Um, that's not on iOS. Like it would just be... those three, I would use it. I would use it a ton if they're available. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, just like <laughs> having if that was the way that they put Xcode on iPad, the thing that we've been. You know, <laughs> I think a lot of people have been wanting for a long time. That would be I mean, really they gave cool. it to us last year, right? So Playgrounds it, yeah. on iPad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. So that would be really cool. Um, you know, it, it reminds me, it was probably, oh, I can't even remember. It was maybe three years ago or something at this point, two or three years ago, when Steve Trotton Smith made like a, basically a resizing window, you know, uh, toy app and everything. So, you know. It would be super cool to have something like that um, baked into the OS. Again, on something like an iPad Pro, the largest one, you, it's the same screen as a Mac MacBook Air. Um, just like it could be a potential pain um, as a developer, you know, going back to, you know, the way that you have to account for Windows resizing in like macOS would now be a thing. You're not just dealing with like, Device sizes and in an iPad, uh, you know, split screen and everything, but kind of everything in between. So that mm-hmm. would definitely be an interesting thing. But maybe Swift UI, I don't know, necessarily would help with that. But um, seems a little bit I, more flexible. I think you kind of do get that for free, though, if you do have like an iPad app that you run on an Apple Silicon Mac. Like you can freely resize it, and it just kind of uses the size. That's- categories to kind of inform the ui so it's not like the end of the world i think size categories Mm -hmm. are on their way out if this is the case because they are a hot mess to deal with um and like (laughs) not at all like worth it i did they even make it over to swift ui i don't think so i don't know we don't use them internally i know that for sure Mm -hmm. like i any time that i needed to like vary ui i've completely forgone trying to use the size categories and just purely yeah. went with uh, like if I have at least 450 pixels then mm-hmm. or points, then I'm going to change my UI to do something slightly different because then you can have as many, as many little categories as you want. Um, and then the size categories are kind of useful to inform if you're in like one multitasking mode on the iPad versus another. Um, yes. But that's about it um, in terms of usefulness. I think that's the only like software rumor that we've heard. Uh, mm-hmm. In terms of hardware rumors, uh, there's a little bit more to go on. So we know for a fact, Apple said later this year, uh, in terms of the Mac Pro, 
Does later this year mean now? Uh, I mean, historically, for the past decade, and we can say this because there's only been two, um, the <laughs> Mac Pro has always been announced uh, at DubDub, uh, at WWDC, and then shipped the literal last day of the year. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that has been the pattern. <laughs> so I expect the same. I expect uh, Mac Pro to be announced, um, and then for it to ship on the last day of 2022 i think that's like the only way that a mac pro can be announced like it's just how it is um but i could be wrong it could be like for later later this year (laughs) that it gets announced and shipped or maybe it's announced and then ships next year who knows yeah i know i was thinking about that like i mean november what was it november when like the m1 macbook air and mini like were announced and released pretty closely together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they'll probably do like a refresh. Um, I'm kind of combining topics now. Um, I think they'll probably do a refresh of like the more consumer level um, Mac devices uh, later this year would be my guess. Just because I, I agree with you that I think they'll probably at the very least announce the Mac Pro during dub dub just because it seems like i mean it's it's in this it's 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 in its own class right in terms of performance but also like the user base so i it feels like it would be weird for them to announce like new macbook air new mac mini new whatever but also the mac pro at the same time and just like muddy the waters for the general consumer to you know pick and be like oh what is this mac and be like oh this is way out of my you know my budget and everything so I think having them be separate and doing what they've done um, like they did in 2019 or whatever it was, 2018, um, with the Mac Pro would be my guess as well. And then, Mm -hmm. again, also release it like (laughs) December 31st. Yeah, because I don't think Apple has released a consumer-level hardware product at WWDC since they were doing iPhones, right? Like that was the last kind of wwdc specific consumer hardware um that was kind of shown off uh so it would be like i do remember macbook pros like the first retina macbook pro that was at a wwdc um 2012 i think so 10 years ago um and yeah i i don't think there has been any consumer level uh Mm -hmm. products that were announced so i don't think we're gonna see a new macbook air it would be very bizarre that said, like the HomePod was from DubDub, so oh, I didn't realize that. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, mm. along with the iMac Pro. <laughs> oh, that's so weird. Okay. Yeah, there were there were quite a few DubDubs where Apple just like had a huge focus on like music, um, and yeah. that was like the focus. So the HomePod was like a cool thing with music um and that no yeah. one can develop anything for <laughs> yeah so it was <laughs> like a giant so advertising for apple music and like no one i spoke to that was there cared at all um yeah however like when apple had like the bass cranking for the like cylinder trash can mac pro everyone was excited like no matter like how like everyone kind of made a joke out of it uh, mm-hmm. like the years since uh, when it was announced, everyone was excited. Um, yeah. So, yeah. it's. It, I mean, one, it's like hardware, and it's like, 
progress, right? Everyone's mm-hmm. looking forward to just like the biggest, baddest thing. And not to mention that was like a huge form factor change and just this very unique thing. But also when I, I was at the dub dub where, and you got, well, Lynn was at the very least when they announced the, the new Mac pro people were stoked. I was stoked. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a, a cheese grater V2, right? I want, I want to see what cheese grater V3 super is super fancy this cheese week. gratings. Yes. Made so, of aluminium. Aluminium, baby. Johnny Ivett. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I'd assume... And I've heard also that they... Um, probably, I'd assume they're just blaming it on COVID and everything. But the... Um, they're not going to... I'm not... Ex- sorry. I'm, I have heard that they're not expecting new... Like, M2 to come out this year it'll probably be sort of like a refresh like m1x or something um if they are going to put new uh silicon in like the macbook air and everything uh Mm -hmm. so and i guess also the i uh the i or the mac pro probably be the the m1 extreme which i'm still sticking to i'm that that's the name i've i'm putting this is the second time i put it out there it's going to be the m1 extreme or whatever M2 extreme, whatever it is, but the the suffix is going to be extreme, and I will revel in my victory. So yeah, I, I think the the final thing to keep in mind too is that it's kind of weird that Apple invited everyone to Apple Park this year for like the viewing party, um, That's fair. and like I was listening to ATP earlier, and apparently they have like a whole uh, menu and itinerary set up where you can like take tours around Apple Park and stuff and see the developer uh, center. Is that what they called it? Um, and I think it's weird that that is happening this year despite like COVID right now on the upswing. <laughs> like it's literally True. all over California. It's on the upswing right now. Uh, so they re- must really want people there for something uh, that they didn't think could wait another year. Um, and if that is not the Mac Pro, I wonder if that is perhaps a preview um, or even just like a developer device for like AR in some capacity, right? Yeah, that would be an interesting thought. And the rumor mill, at least I haven't seen any, not that I'm really, my ear isn't to the ground on this kind of stuff, but um i haven't heard the rumor mill says no which is like weird right right it said yes and now it's saying no yeah so i haven't heard anything so i would be really surprised if that were the case but i could see something like you're saying like a developer dev kit preview or something it's like we're getting close uh this is where we're at type of thing even if yeah either a dev kit or even just like at dub dub they had a whole thing that was like walk into this big studio thing and it w- it had like four different setups of actual people using the new Mac Pro which was super cool like people taking uh photos live and seeing it on the Pro display XDR and uh someone editing a ton of tracks of 4K with the afterburner so i could see that happening again for the Mac Pro and that's all it is kind of being more realistic or maybe like more jaded i don't know yeah, and it, it, as you said, it could just be that. Um, I definitely think they want people there for a reason, enough to kind of 
potentially take responsibility for a COVID outbreak, which I think is very likely at this point. Um, Even if it's outdoor, even if it's like masks, everyone uh, masks for everyone. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not enthusiastic about uh, being around a lot of people at the moment. Um, So that might just be my like goggles informing that, that opinion. Uh, But if, if there was a reason to have everyone there, I think it would be for, like air potentially air goggles which would be the developer preview like develop your apps so they work really well for this so when we have the real hardware ready in two years then Mm -hmm. it's something like it's it's ready everyone is is behind it uh apple kind of did this with the apple tv like they had the one dollar apple tv dev kits um which were for all intents and purposes the same as or nearly identical to the final uh, Apple TVs that people would end up buying. Um, so there was that. I think it was like with minor revisions in between. Um, so I can definitely see like something along those lines. I guess we'll just have to see, right? That is true. That is true. So I think that's pretty much everything for hardware as far as I'm aware. Um, Mac rumors. I don't think I there are any earlier. other rumors at the moment. No. Mac Until we hear had... like the the final ones like a day before, hours before, right? That's when yeah. all of them leave. And it's like, why does it matter at this point? Just, you know, but yeah. Um, Mac Rumors has a cool uh, thing of like what they're expecting at uh, at Dub, And it's all, it was all mostly like, you know, software in the sense of like updates to the OSs themselves. So there, there's a bunch on there, which was super cool. Um, nothing like amazing, amazing, but it was cool to kind of look at and see like, you know, what to expect for iOS 16. And uh, aside from like the windowing, that was the one thing we did talk about. But, uh, you know, updates to I think the one actually that I that was interesting to me was um, on the Apple Watch, there's apparently going to be like a new battery saving mode that like saves battery but it's not like the battery saving mode where it only tells the time it's kind of something in between where you can at the very least use apps or something but it's not if it can still get my stands like i'm instantly sold because most of the time when i'm like nearly missing my stands or completing my rings it's because my watch died at like four um and i didn't know um and i like panic because i i can't like finish possibly finish with the remaining hours and then once my watch comes back alive, I realized that it like recorded two two stands right before it died, but just didn't uh-huh. sync them to the phone or whatever. So yeah, like I am excited for cool. that if that is like a minute possibility. Um, all right, let's move on to like the developer stuff though. Um, I think both of us would wish for better Swift UI. So I'm interested to hear what you want out of Swift UI. You are by far the most experienced Swift UI user out of all of us here at Code Completion. So what what is missing or what do you hope for, I suppose? I think that for SwiftUI to truly like take over, its previews need to work. That's like the easiest, like bare <laughs> that's, minimum that's in a large app that is not like a toy app. The previews need to work, no questions asked. Like yeah. compile the bare minimum just for that file. I don't care. Uh, just the dependencies that it needs because it feels like it needs to compile everything and it doesn't need everything um, for many, many cases. So um, I I think that needs a ton of improvement like 
on its own. Uh, then from there, I would say adding in for like, I don't want to be greedy and say just like make it feature complete with app kit and UI kit because I don't think it's going to get there uh, anytime soon. But for any of the views that it does claim to make a bridge for, like list and navigation view and all those sorts of things, I think those need some feature completion uh, in terms of either bridging all the pieces that need to be bridged or re-implementing them in SwiftUI-like native components uh, such that you don't end up with a lot of the weird bridging bugs that you do end up with. Uh, because it does need to be bridged. Um, like even basic things with like on appear and on disappear, not really behaving like you'd think. Maybe having extra events for uh, when stuff is going to like finish animating and stuff like that. So um, I think having those aspects is really going to be able to take it a long way. Um, and there are a lot of people that are like hoping that Apple makes it an external library that's no longer a system uh, dependency. It's something that you can directly include with your app, which means that you can back deploy fixes. Uh, you don't need to like be burdened by sudden breakages or sudden fixes mid release cycle, which I think a lot of the people that um, have tried using SwiftUI on the Mac have just given up on it because one release it works and then the next release oh they just broke a fundamental piece of how labels work um and the only place anyone is dared touching swift ui was like in preference screens where they would have labels next to pop-ups and things like that yeah like the stupidest of of blunders um seem to happen a lot uh despite the fact that swift ui was touted as like a super tested like they have rigorous tests for it um and it seems like maybe that's not as robust as we thought it was. Um, And I don't think Apple has the leeway to get away with that, if that makes sense. Like, they need to have something that's robust, um, especially at those levels. Fine if someone's doing something super complex and maybe some of that behavior changes release to release. But if you're in, like, native SwiftUI components land, there are generally no problems to be found it's only if you're dealing with these bridged views and these bridged types and i think it would do SwiftUI a lot of benefit to fix all of those loose edges before kind of expanding further if that makes any sense totally i mean especially if they're trying to tout it as like the replacement for app kit and ui kit and say you know this is the way forward uh kind of a bummer when things don't work i think probably what you were referring to earlier was steve trenton smith uh with his mac apps breaking uh, probably more than him but i saw like a thread from him the other day about that exact thing where his his apps would just randomly not work labels won't show up or whatever that's a huge bummer um Mm -hmm. going back to previews i agree that's so i was doing a little bit of like very kind of auxiliary Swift UI work in uh, LumaFusion just for our internal use to show some previews for all of the different styles we have, uh, like colors and, you know, corner radii and everything like that. Um, it wasn't touching anything outside of just a single class for, you know, colors and all of that. Uh, okay, a couple of classes, but it wasn't, you know loading up projects from you know your da- the database or anything i mean it was very kind of 
small the scope of of things it was touching in the app and every time i need to run the previews i run it and i would say resuming preview took more than five seconds try again and everything compiles fine but i always had to try again while i was writing it and i was like oh my gosh please just like let let it run at the very least please just let it run like if you know everything's going to compile fine maybe after 30 seconds sure but five seconds you know I mean, I don't think it should take five seconds in the first place, but that was annoying to have to deal with that for like a week. So, and I think the, the the worst part of that is it's still faster. Like it's still faster yeah, to I smash know. your head against the keyboard trying to get the previews to work and like trying to debug why they're not working for who knows what reason. Yeah. Um, because it's just what you're previewing. It's not the whole app. You don't have to navigate to it. You get a whole bunch of different variations all at once. And it's maddening that it's faster to bang your head against a computer and not get any work done <laughs> yeah. than it is to say build and run and wait. Yeah. Right? That's fair. So it feels like so much more frustrating because you your energy is actively being sipped away uh, <laughs> to feed the Swift preview. Um, and... Yeah, there's there's no there's no way that you can make it any better because you have no clue what's wrong, right? Saying I agree with you. I think they really do need to just improve what they have already and just make it more consistent rather than uh, like expanding the overall functionality. I mean, there are some things that like it's been a while, so maybe this isn't true now, but like there are some things that you just can't do uh, in Swift UI, like change a title or change the the color of a navigation bar or something like that there are a couple things where it's just like it's not feature complete in the sense that there's like parity with what exists in ui kit for the things that there are native you know structs for in swift ui like a navigation uh view or whatever it is so mm-hmm. that kind of stuff is a little frustrating to have to like dip into ui kit or like dip into like ui appearance just to change that or whatever so i don't know Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you have no fine-grained control over that at all. You can use a library like Introspect, maybe, if you want to like right. have hacky stuff like that. Or you can like do that yourself of injecting a view and then just like using that view to catch the navigation view and do stuff like that. Uh, but it, it really does feel very broken um, that such basic things just don't work. So um, I'm really looking forward to that being that being fixed. Um, yeah, especially the... when, oh, sorry. No, go for it. I was just kind of as a final thought on Swift UI. Even with all of this stuff, I still tend to gravitate towards it for new things. And so if they can make it even better, then it's like I will be 1000% sold on using Swift UI for anything mm-hmm. going forward. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm, I'm already 100% like willing to use it for anything. Um, and because it is a much larger time saver, um, one for creativity and two for just being able to develop a small part of the app without the rest of it. Um, yes. like all of that is so much faster with Swift UI already that I am willing to use it despite its shortcomings, uh, for anything else, but it has such a high learning curve from when you are already an experienced UI kit or app kit developer that a lot of experienced developers don't want to touch it because they can't yep. do the things that they know how to do very well 
um, in it. Uh, and there's a lot of changing your mentality about how to think about stuff in order to be able to use it efficiently and effectively that it's it's kind of a shame that people with such a, a big voice in the community have been like pushing it down when it is so so um it it is so liberating to be able to use for so many different things um so it's it's a really big shame that they are not able to see the benefit when uh, so many of us have been able to see it, right? Like it took energy and effort to get to this point. Uh, and if you're yes. starting from nothing and you don't have any experience, it's possibly way easier to get started with SwiftUI than it is UIKit. But mm-hmm. once you know how to do so many things in UIKit, it can be frustrating not being able to do those things in SwiftUI the ways, in the ways that you thought to do them, Right. Um, like you could still get focusing on SwiftUI before they added focusing in iOS 15. You just need to do some bizarre finagling with UI view representable, right? Um, yeah. And if you're comfortable with that, then you're comfortable with that. And it's not a big deal at the end of the day. And you can comment out that code as new versions of the OS get released. Um, but if you don't know how to do that comfortably or effectively, then you're going to want to step back. You're going to be like, well, focusing is impossible. I don't want to touch this because the basic thing I want to do is focus the text field so the user can be effective. And if I can't do that, then it's kind of dead in the water, right? Yeah. I think a lot of people, it left, so if you had left a bad taste in people's mouth because at the start, it was really hard and I think it was really not there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've told, you know, I've, I've <laughs> said it before when, when Paul and I were at DubDub, uh, when SwiftUI was released, we were trying it and it was so frustrating, but I think a part of that, it was SwiftUI itself, but also, like you said, starting from zero and being frustrated because you can't make a table view <laughs> is so, de- you know, it's like demoralizing. Um, so in that sense, it's hard, but I, um, I, since I've started this teaching job, um, I was actually just there this Thursday. Um, the The students are working on a group project, like a capstone project right now. And they're doing it in UIKit. And they said that they're... So they have a group project and a personal project. And each one, one of them has to be done in UIKit and one of them has to be done in Swift UI. And they were doing their group projects in UIKit and they were just telling me like they're so stoked to use Swift UI because it feels more natural to them because they started at zero from both. So mm-hmm. that learning curve for them is probably a lot different, more different than it was for us because we're like, I can't do any of the things that I can normally do. And that's just super frustrating. And and it's also the things you're trying to attain, right? If you just want to get a basic UI up, Swift UI is so much easier than UI kit for that. And right. if you're trying to get something complicated, they are both capable, but the way to do them in SwiftUI is very, very different than the way to do it in UIKit. Um, I think the the thing that crystallized it in my head the best was an exercise that I did for for work of building out something like a collection view or a table view, but from scratch to have reusable views um, to only have what's on screen be actually drawn. Um, and you are capable of doing that almost entirely in SwiftUI. The only UI view representable thing I have was something to wrap a scroll view so that way I didn't have to deal with the scroll view. But the rest of it was entirely dealt with in SwiftUI. Like 
from calculating where views are going to be and deciding, oh, which ones I should uh, request from a for each um, or like a closure to pass into a for each and have all of that data prepped. All of that you can do in SwiftUI. And it's just a very different way of thinking. But that code is so much simpler than it would have been to just do all of that in UIKit. Even if like I wasn't using a collection view or a table view, if I was just building out my own reusable view thing, that would have been really complicated in UIKit, but it's actually much simpler in SwiftUI because I'm just representing the final state at the end of the day. Um, and that is much simpler to reason about. Um, and it's just something that's very different to wrap your head around. But once I was capable of doing that, I realized that I did that in a way that works on iOS 13, like the first version of SwiftUI. The yeah. first version was good enough to be able to do all of that. The, all, the only thing that future versions added were compatibility with existing widgets and controls that UIKit and AppKit have, like focusing uh, better state management so you can have it at the app level, things like that. Um, but the basic primitives from SwiftUI, that's the word I was trying to think of this entire episode, primitives. Uh, but the basic primitives were there and they work just as well as they do now. Um, so it took two years of learning about SwiftUI to get to this point. So of course, anyone just starting at SwiftUI 1 in iOS 13 felt like it was subpar because we're coming from a very different set of experiences um, and it's it's a very different way of programming, to be completely honest. And not everyone is comfortable with that. And it's down to Apple to help make people comfortable with that. They are doing very little in terms of showing people what complicated use cases look like um, because they probably don't have any complicated use cases. I probably did right. more in terms of building out that collection view than they have in terms of building out any sort of views internally. Uh, just because they didn't have the chance to do very much outside of building the framework itself. So uh, I do really want Apple to be using SwiftUI a whole lot more. They're using it with shortcuts, and on the Mac, it's a hot garbage fire. Um, and that is hopefully that has hopefully been a learning experience for them this past year, because in any way that they have been prevented throughout the year of building their own app, I they better learn from for the next year, right? And if they can't like pick up the slack, then it really shows that they perhaps don't care enough, right? In any case, on the topic of SwiftUI, one piece that came along with it uh, when it was announced was Combine, uh, and Combine slash Combine, depending on uh, how confused you were seeing a common English word with a capital letter, Ooh, yeah. um, which was everyone. <laughs> Uh, did not see any improvement the second year, nor the third year, which was last year. Uh, so uh, what we got mid-cycle instead was Swift async algorithms, and this is a bunch of async await uh, extensions that basically add a lot of the combined functionality to async await. Um, so I'm wondering, does this mean that combine is essentially set to be deprecated outside of uh, Objective-C? There are, you know, parts of it that are used for Swift, uh, Swift UI, like observed object and everything, right? There are a mm -hmm. couple of those. Uh, yeah, state, published, all of those yeah. are combined. Yeah, so other than that, though, no one's, like, using, you know, uh, 
publishers outside of that, except for Andrew Matson. So, um, I don't know. Definitely not as widely used, at least from my kind of uh, realm of, of viewing code. So I have had the pleasure of using it in the latest app that I've been working on. And for the most part, it's been a pleasure, like using it with Notification Center, using it with uh, key value coding. Like I'm never going to touch regular key value coding again. Uh, because this makes it so easy to use uh same with notification center like you don't have to have a crazy block anywhere uh that's Mm -hmm. maybe being held on to maybe not uh you just use the same pattern from combine and that makes it really simple to operate with um and yeah so that that's where i've used it i haven't built my own publishers i i've not like felt the need to do that and maybe it's just because i don't know like how to effectively mm-hmm. do it in a way that's going to benefit me. Um, but I have written a lot of async await code and I have written a lot of async sequence yes. extensions. And those are so much fun to like play around with. Uh, and they're dead simple to use at the call site. So I have a feeling that that will likely take on. I was very surprised Apple released the async algorithms as a like package that Uh can like evolve completely separately from apple's uh frameworks i think that's going to be a telltale sign that uh this may not replace or deprecate combine but will continue to have a whole bunch of functionality be added to it in a way that anyone could use for almost any version of of uh their app because it's just Mm. a bunch of functions at the end of the day and it doesn't matter if those the ones that you use anyways get built in as a part of your your app because likely they will be inlined anyways because that just makes them hold a ton faster uh so if they're in line then they're in your app anyways so uh there's not too much benefit from apple's shipping them as a dynamic library on their systems uh so i i think that if Apple focuses on it, they, like there will most definitely be a session on async algorithms to show you how to use them. Uh, but if Apple focuses on it a bit more, I think that will be welcome. <clears throat> One that I have is better uh, intercompatibility with uh, like checking the iPad on app or iPad app on Mac, whatever box, whatever it's called, um, and like Catalyst apps kind of uh, along with that. But um, we have an M1. I don't. We call it the M1 version, but that doesn't really work now that iPads have M1s. But an iPad, like a, a Mac version of LumaFusion, um, that work. Yeah, that works on Macs. Um, I'm being very redundant here. Sorry. <laughs> um, the problem with it is it. There's just like weird jiggery pokery that happens sometimes. Like the the one that I ran into uh, this week and also like a year ago was things with UI menus and um, like for example a contextual menu when you like right click on something um, works completely fine on iOS with a trackpad, right? But then when you um, and it just it's like UI menu action, uh, I think is is like the subclass or yeah i think it's a subclass not a protocol um but then and so you know you get that you say hey if it's this kind of menu action subclass do this thing whatever um but then 
inexplicably on when you do the exact same thing on Mac, it is the the object that gets returned to you is a UI menu controller, and it's like not even an action; it's the entire controller, and so. You can't cast that. They're, the properties don't exist. If you try to cast it and you, you know use the it's properties, it's like a private class are, on top of it, right? Yeah, it's it just crashes because it's like that property doesn't exist. And I'm like, I guarantee you, it it, it does exist. So there's just weird, uh, like some kind of bridging thing that's happening in the background that just makes some some things like so stupid that you have to work around. So. Uh, I don't know what I'm getting at with this. I just wish things would work. Frustrated by it, and I want it fixed. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So it's just have them work the same on both platforms, please, because we're running ARM on both of these. It's not like there's any, uh, you know, uh, translation that needs to happen in that sense from like an architecture standpoint. So whatever they're doing to make it work is frustrating sometimes. So that that is my rant watching in the new version since windowing is coming to the ipad you get the ui menu controller on ipad as well and then you're out of luck at least <laughs> at least it would be consistent and i could have one fix instead of like a normal implementation and then some stupid workaround so if it's just the stupid workaround then i guess that's what it is so yeah in the in the spirit of complaining to apple uh via our very small platform that they can't listen to uh, or they don't listen to. I'm sure they can if they wanted to. Uh, better monitor management on macOS, please. I have a Mac Studio. It is not going anywhere. It is on the desk. The monitors that are plugged into it are plugged into it. They aren't going anywhere. You can assume that they will always be there. It's the same port. There, and I'm not going to switch them around on you, macOS. No I.O. changes. Um, no I.O. changes. Like I'm not even turning off the Mac Studio. Every time it goes to sleep, my two side monitors, sometimes they'll switch backgrounds. Sometimes the the windows on this one will go to the center one and the center windows will go to the right one. And then the right one will stay on the right one because why not? Um, all the windows will just like realize that the system woke up and then resize as if they were like doing shenanigans while the system was asleep. I don't know. Uh, but uh, windowing is a hot a hot garbage mess and needs to be needs to be fixed and addressed because like we have a system that can run four pro display xcrs i am afraid to have pro four pro display xcrs attached to that thing because that's four monitors that are exactly the same who knows that it's going to get confused about it here i just get the two <laughs> side ones confused because they those are the same dimensions they're even flipped in different angles uh so that gets remembered for some reason but the desktop backgrounds no that that regularly just swaps uh the windows that are on there no i can't rely on that at all um so uh just yeah gotta keep you on your toes I, I am kept on my toes and i'm tired of it my toes are starting to hurt <laughs> ah that is a problem then um yeah i agree that's that's dumb like i get it You're... on the laptop that it's janky but it's a desktop please it's because you're in the um the chaotic evil part of the um the little monitor grid that got sent out i thought that was awesome dude they don't care about chaotic evil one thing that okay i was in my kitchen yesterday and i was like watching a youtube video while i was eating lunch and i just wanted there to be um 
you know, like good sound not coming out of my phone, but just like a, a better speaker. I was like, you know what? I should get a HomePod for this. And I started looking, you know, and there's like the HomePod mini. I was like, oh, I'd love a HomePod mini in here. But then I was like, but I really want like a real, you know, like my, I have a HomePod, but it's in another room, but I just want like, you know, some nice loud sound. I love my HomePod for as much as people don't like it. I love my personally. So, uh, I want them to give me a, a HomePod too. That would be awesome. It's so weird. You just, you go on the Apple store website and it's like, or the Apple store app and it's like HomePod mini. That's it. We don't have a normal HomePod. It's just the mini one. It just bugs me. So, uh, I hope that they, uh, you know, have a HomePod too. And I guess they could, you know, have it support like lossless playback now that that's a part of Apple music or whatever. But, uh, that would be my just like super selfish wish. Like I know they didn't sell super well. It sounds like the HomePod twos or the HomePod minis are pretty good. Like I know you have a bunch. Fernando has a bunch. Having them be $99 is really nice. So I almost bought one the other day and then I was like, I should wait until after Dub Dub just in case they they announce a HomePod too. Well, you can always move the HomePod Minis to like your bathroom and have that control the switches. Uh, the best use yeah, case true. for having HomePods in the bathroom is when you're listening to podcasts. You can just like have it follow you <laughs> wherever you're going. That's fair. Um, and it's just like in every room you have a HomePod, and it is the best thing ever. Uh, so yeah, um, get HomePods and put them everywhere. Uh, and if you have any minis now, you can always relocate them. Like they can just go in a smaller room, um, like a bathroom. Maybe I'll do that. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling that if Apple comes out with like a HomePod to HomePod Max to uh, Pro Ultim, Ultra, uh, whatever they want to call it, um, I have a, pe- a feeling that uh, if they say that it has lossless support now, people are going to have like side-by-side videos of the original HomePod playing music and then this one playing the lossless track and sure. either coming to two very different conclusions. One, oh my gosh, it sounds so much better and that's just because the speakers are different. Uh, and right. whether it's better or not, it's completely arbitrary. Uh, but it just like sounds different uh, because the speakers are different. Uh, like you can play the same track and they'll sound different. Uh, so it's either yeah. that or they sound identical uh, despite it being the lossless version because that's not how digital music works. And like, unless you're doing edits on uh, the music, the lossless version is worthless uh, to you. Um, and yeah, you won't, you won't be able to tell that with your ears. Uh, so like, I get it between like a compressed version and like a super compressed version and a regular compressed version. Yeah, sure. you'll tell the difference there, but... Uh, a high quality compressed version versus lossless. Good luck. Well, I yeah, and I think there's just like a psychological thing with like, oh, mm-hmm. I've got the lossless thing, so they could totally like market it that way and say, oh, but this one plays lossless, haha, <laughs> it's supported. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. Yeah, it would be a marketing point if anything. I think. But that said, it seems like a lot of people's original HomePods are like dying on them. So mine, oh, no. knock on, yeah. I guess, wall, uh, have not started to die on me yet, and they work fine. The only like downside, which is 100% software, is I have them hooked up to my TV, um, and they're my mm. arc source. 
uh, despite like me using just the Apple TV most of the time. Uh, but when I wake up my Apple TV by pressing on the little power button, the TV turns on, the Apple TV turns on, um, all that is great. Uh, no audio will play until I press volume up or down. Uh, and that is like oh. the silliest thing. Um, and like I've, it's part of the routine now. I wake up the thing when it wakes up, I press the volume up and like, it's, it's all good from there, but, uh, yeah. that's, that's silly. That should be fixed. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I always get jealous cause my parents have a HomePod mini and you know, they'll like tap the mini to like put stuff on the HomePod and stuff. And I have to do, you know, use the, the software side and hit the, hit the button in control center and have it play that Navigate way. Navigate so. through 17 screens to get it to play. Brutal. I want an easier way. I paid $300 for that thing. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's all. There, there's, I guess there are some rumors that Apple might be coming out with new uh, airport extremes. Like, mm. So, basically, nice. Wi-Fi has not changed since they released the last set of Apple uh, airport extremes, at least from Apple device point of view. Like, we have nothing that's really taking advantage of Wi-Fi 6. Um, yep. And with a with an airport extreme, you can get over a gigabit via Wi-Fi. Um, it's just just over over like that one connection, so it's not for yeah. like tons of uh, tons of computers devices. at once. Uh, yeah. But like I use airport extremes on, in my house, and I have what a hundred devices that are connected between like wall switches, different computers, iPads, yeah. iPhones. Uh, all sorts of smart devices like it's really loaded onto them and they work fine uh for all intents and purposes so um that is the reason that i saw that apple kind of was not focusing on like airports anymore because like they waited 10 years and nothing changed uh, i think it was also at dub dub that the last airport extreme the type n <laughs> not the type n but the ac sorry uh, and yeah, like AC. really long time ago, but AC is the most recent like fast standard apart from Wi-Fi six E, which is the next like level up yeah, from AX. there. Um, yeah. And yeah, like none of Apple's devices use that. Yeah, I think there's like one or two devices with Wi-Fi six, like the phones, um, mm-hmm. but they are not necessarily using the full capacity of that. It's basically just a more energy efficient uh, version of what ac is being used on laptops and stuff like that so um i'm looking forward to dapple potentially like upgrading wi-fi across the board uh and potentially having new airport devices and maybe those new airport devices like the whole reason why i went down this route uh rabbit hole is maybe they are home pods like that would make a ton of sense oh uh, in terms of like putting them a little bit everywhere having them all be mesh uh connected to kind of propagate the uh, Wi-Fi signal throughout someone's home um, or outside. Uh, so I think that is probably the gateway for that to be a reality. That would be super cool. I think I have had the worst luck with routers ever since I've been living on my own. I've, I've gone through like four routers. Um, they'll die fairly consistently on me. And I spent, you know, like... I don't know, 250 or $300 on like a mesh setup and it works okay, but I would love something that works consistently and having it be like an, a home pod as well would be super cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. I would never trust the mesh setup, mesh setup. 
my yeah. my tactic around that is to get some blue masking tape and a long Ethernet cable and just like tape that along the room. I know <laughs> the ceiling yeah. and get it to whatever room it needs to be <laughs> going under the door. Um, and that has been rock solid. Uh, so yeah, treat yourselves to some blue max- masking tape all over your home. Um, I think that is going to be way more reliable than any mesh setup in terms of having a, cons- a consistently stable experience. Sure. I'll stop by Home Depot. That would be such a cool uh, kind of fusion of devices. And like you said, if you have them all over already, like for things like, um, what do they call it? Not walkie-talkie. Um, intercom. intercom. That, that kind of stuff. Just multiple reasons to have multiple of those devices. That's such a cool idea. I've never thought of that, but um, now I want it even more. And yeah, because then be that's a like a machine, good motivation to have a time them everywhere. Capsule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give me put it make put four terabytes in it, and make it a time capsule too, and let me just back up my stuff too. I don't. I know. mean, I want everything. why four terabytes at this point? Like the, the four terabytes, three terabytes was like a big disc back when those came out. So like na- big disc nowadays is like sixteen terabytes. Let's not that's do true. four terabytes. It doesn't need to be fast. Just right? s- it's just a time machine. Although, yeah, I mean, it would definitely have to be flash. Imagine having a spinning hard drive next to just like this gnarly subwoofer. Maybe not a good idea. Oh, good point. I mean, I was just (laughs) so so the time capsules actually start dying at about now. uh, If you bought them back when 2016, I think Uh, the tall like tower ones came out Um, and they die for the like sole reason. And that reminds me, I need to I need to repack my iFixit toolkit. Um because I needed to fix my mom's time capsule, uh, not because she uses it or cares about the time capsule part of it. Again, three terabytes. Um, but the in- internally, the time capsule needs a fan to cool down the hard drive that's in it. Um, and that fan, uh, I guess, over time, like loses the grease that keeps it spinning. Right. Um, yeah, and therefore it becomes something that just does not work anymore. And the fan just like is deadlocked. Um, and if the fan is deadlocked, that means that it's not going and actually cooling down the time capsule, um, which is essentially an airport extreme with a hard drive in it. Like literally the internal guts of uh, an airport extreme are the same thing minus the hard drive and minus the control board for the hard drive. Um, that's, that's the only difference. And it's fairly simple to take apart. Um, and it's fairly simple to put some uh, plumber's grease back in the little axle of the fan and try not to break the tabs as you open it up. Um, but yeah, uh, I've done it to all of mine because things uh, were dying on me like about two years ago. Um, and I got them all fixed. And it's it's something that you just need to do. It's like regular car maintenance except for your airport extremes. Because they they're still kind of the most stable uh, routers there are, except the fans yeah. were dying because they're just so old. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you have an airport extreme slash time capsule and it's like giving you the amber blinking uh, dot of overheating, if you look in like airport utility, uh, then consider just popping it open. It's like there are three clips along each side. You get a little sludger tool in there. Uh, that part pops off and you just kind of follow the screws 
um, and you are you're basically in. There are two screws at the very bottom that need a long neck screwdriver, but other than that, um, it's fairly simple to open up and then get inside, get at the fan, and put some plumber grease in there uh, to actually repair that uh, and get spinning again. And that reminded me that I need to do that again because I apparently did not put <laughs> enough plumber grease because I like took the thing apart, got it in, made sure the fan fan kind of spun a little, like plugged it all back in and left, <laughs> never verified that it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did not work. Uh, so I need to go back in there and kind of fix it again. Um, but yeah, I will make a mental note of that to do it later. You're welcome. No, I'm just kidding. Thank um, you. So <laughs> one of the things that I was looking at with... Um, you know, when I, in my quest for an actually working router, so they have like HomeKit compatible routers. I don't Linksys, know what you would right? do. Yeah, it's a Linksys one or a Netgear one. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, but the, I don't know what you would monitor on there, but that would be super cool too. It, it, no, I'm so, sure it would be HomeKit compatible. So specifically, the HomeKit compatibleness of it means that any HomeKit devices that connect to it get connected to a separate network. And those oh, oh, devices so cool. don't see any of your devices. Right. So you can see them, so but they if, can't see you. So that means so that like if they thing. get hacked, like you're yeah. not you're not too worried about it. That makes way more sense. Uh that, that said, cool. I think Linksys has like completely done a horrible job at like actually shipping this. I looked at a few reviews and it's like, oh, it's never actually uh, got implemented and like a patch came out really late and oh. like the tank the stability. So I was like, "Yep, nope, not buying these." <laughs> All right, well, uh, there we go. Another reason for Apple to make its own so it can actually integrate with HomeKit well. <laughs> yep. So yeah, I, I I'm excited for next week, mostly because I don't have any clue what's going to be announced. And I, I'm usually yeah. like super excited throughout the week. Um, and yeah. I mean, like we talked about, I think it was a couple weeks ago when we kind of talked about like the developer app and everything. Like we're talking a lot about like announcements and stuff. And there's a lot more to dub dub than just, you know, like the keynote and state of the union and stuff. But um, I'm just in general, I'm excited about new, um, uh, you know, sessions on, on whatever there is, whether it's, again, if we get better Swift UI, it, it's not just about better Swift UI, but like seeing the, um, the sessions and kind of getting a jump start on all of this new stuff that's coming out. So yeah, I don't know for me, it kind of like sets the tone of like, okay, what am I going to be learning for the next year or so? So it's always fun to, you know, just be a part of kind of the whole vibe that is dubbed up for the entire week of like new announcements, but also just getting kind of a refreshed um, willingness to learn new things, I suppose. Yep. And excitement to build all sorts of fun things. So with uh, that said, thank you so much for to everyone who streamed in and to Spencer, who is at Spencer C. Curtis. That's S-P-E-N-C-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S on Twitter uh, for joining me this week. A reminder that we'll be streaming on Monday right after the keynote. So that's in two days if you're listening now. And if you're listening slightly after now, imminent. Um, <laughs> so uh, right after the keynote and State of the Union, like I think an hour afterwards at 4 p.m. Pacific time, 
uh, that's when we will be recording. So keep an eye out on Twitter at Code Completion. So uh, we'll we will tweet out a live stream link that you can go ahead and listen to. Um, and yeah, my name once again is Dimitri. You can find me at Dimitri Buniol. That's D I M I T R I B O U N I O L. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Yeah, I don't have anything else. I did get the the Opal C1 camera, but we'll save that for two weeks from now, I guess, when we have a calm episode to talk about it. Did you already I, get it? Like, is it delivered? Yeah, it, it's on oh. my monitor over there. Um, nice. I have not used... I've, like, plugged it in to, like, see it, uh, and it works, uh, but I've not used it for any actual, like, call yet. Uh, so, cool. yeah, probably good. Yeah, you can actually see it on the on the very edge of the camera. I can't I, I can't see it on the oh yeah the Riverside thing, but it, you can see it on the uh, the actual. Is recording. it white? Yeah, it's a little white thing, right? There. Oh, cool. I thought they only came in black. That's cool. Yeah, black and white, and it's a nice finish. It's not like pure white. It's kind of like speckled. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks the finish is really cool. It looks really nice. And my favorite thing so far, I guess minor spoilers, is it has a magnetic like lens cap. So there's nice. like a, an inner felty material, and then it just like clicks in place. And I was like, that is so nice. Um, so yeah, really looking forward cool. to giving that a try, and then I'll give a full review uh, when I do. Nice. And All yeah, right. I think that's it. Should we shut it down? Or yep. Do you want to? Do a commented out. I think I that was my commented out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. See you guys. <laughs> Bye.